Well, those higher-than-expected inflation numbers out of the U.S. on Friday have set the cat amongst the pigeons. Massive spikes in bond yields. The U.S. dollar has been scurrying upwards and the share market is taking a dive. Why? Well, is it because there's an expectation the Fed will suddenly turn up the volume and go for a 75 basis point hike this week? Or is that a bit premature? Should they wait and see what impact the last set of hikes is going to do? Or are markets now working on the assumption that there is no soft landing? The outlook is, in short, bad. Or could there be a way through it all? Let's hope so. It's Tuesday, the 14th of June, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, I hope you're ready for all of this. It's not exactly easy listening this morning. A 1% rise in the US dollar. It's over 105 in the, on the DXY index. I think I'm right in saying that's the highest it's been in more than 20 years. 10-year Treasury yields in the US are up to 3.37%. That's 21 basis points today after a similar big number on Friday. That puts yields at an 11-year high. And the S&P 500 down 3.9% at close, down around 10% in less than a week and the lowest it's been in 15 months. The VIX index, the gauge of volatility, that's rising. It's up at 34 this morning. It's up 23%. The other currencies, a big fall in the pound this morning, down 1.5%, but not as much as the fall in the Aussie dollar, dropping well below 70 US cents now, down 1.9%. The euro has fallen just over 1% as well. European stocks are also well down, 2.7% down for the euro stocks 50, 2.4% for the DAX, 1.5% for the FTSE 100. But back in the US, the NASDAQ down 4.7% this morning. The Russell 2000 index, this is showing how badly small caps are doing through all of this. They're losing uh, 4.8%. Bitcoin is down to 23,100. That's two-thirds below its November peak. None of this is what you'd call a mild reaction. So uh, Friday uh, was a while ago, but uh, we uh, can't kick off this shortened week, can we, without looking at those USG uh, CPI numbers and the market impact from that. Here's Nabs Tapper Strickland in Sydney. So a 1% rise month-on-month, 8.6% year-on-year, Core inflation also well up on expectations. There's no good news in all of this. So for those who are looking for signs that we are nearing a peak for inflation, well, they will have been sorely disappointed when they tap us. Uh, good morning, Phil. And what a spectacular couple of days uh, in markets. Uh, I think the word you could use is panic to describe what is going on at the moment. And really, uh, the two factors that you described there was the US CPI report on Friday and also some notion that inflation expectations were appearing to be coming de anchored. And I think it's the later one that actually has led most of the moves. So the first one, obviously, was uh, US CPI came in hot. As you know, the, the, the core measure uh, didn't moderate. And so that peak in inflation hasn't occurred yet. Uh, and more worryingly, when you look at the alternative core measures, such as the Cleveland Fed trim mean, that printed at 0.8% month to month, which was actually the highest in the history of that core series, which dates back to 1983. So it does suggest inflation pressures are very real and they're yet to peak in the US. And with high inflation, inflation expectations also appear to be moving higher. And this is the bit that I think markets are reacting to the most. The five to 10 year inflation expectation at the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report uh, rose three tenths to 3.3% from 3%. And that is its highest level since June 2008. And when you look at things in terms of standard deviations away from their averages, um, that is more than two standard deviations from its post 96 average. So it does suggest inflation expectations are moving up. And the message there is the Fed would need to go harder and quicker in order to re-anchor inflation ex- expectations. And I think that is part of the reason why our yields have risen by so much on Friday and why that price action was obviously ex- extended on Monday. So when I look at my screen, um, the US two-year yield has risen by around 
what is it, around 50.6 basis points uh, since Thursday to 3.3%, which is the largest move in the two-year Treasury yield um, uh, over two days yeah. since the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy back in the global financial crisis. So very, very big moves here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that is scary, isn't it? And uh, so is this the, because there's an expectation that, because of course the Fed is later this week, that they may do a surprise and go 75 basis points. If, if everyone is panicking, are they going to panic as well? I think um, I think there is some prospect that the Fed uh, feels like it needs to go more aggressively than it is currently. And when you look at markets, they're pricing in around a 30% chance of a 75 basis point rate hike on Wednesday, while uh, 50 to 75 basis point hikes appear to be the norm, with markets pricing in 264 basis points of hikes over the next five FOMC meetings, and that's up around 60 basis points on Thursday. So markets are pricing in a much more aggressive Fed. They're pricing in the Fed funds rate to peak uh, just a little bit below 4% by June 2023. And uh, the important uh, point here is with the Fed likely to be more aggressive because of inflation, growth risks are rising. And when you look at euro dollar futures, when you look at OIS, when you look at Fed funds futures, they're actually inverted beyond June 2023. So it does suggest the Fed is going to be relatively yeah. aggressive, or at least this is what markets are pricing. And then that's going to slow the economy sufficiently that that um, the Fed will need to ease up on that hiking cycle um, in the second half of next year. Is it, I mean, has everyone abandoned the hope of a soft landing now? Is everyone saying, oh, look, they're going to do the, the Volcker manoeuvre? They're going to, uh, you know, they're going to force a recession. People are going to lose their jobs. And uh, and that's the only way they're going to get things under control. I think there's a greater acknowledgement the unemployment rate needs to rise. And classically, when you see a rise in the unemployment rate, I think it's called the SARM rule in the US, of at least 0.5 percentage points, uh, you typically do get a recession when that occurs. And I think the sell-off in risk assets that, that we have seen, and when you look at the US equity market, S&P 500 down 2.9% on Friday and down around 3.5% today, that's telling you uh, risk assets are pricing in um, a fairly subdued outlook. And I think more people are talking about recession risk rising. And um, there were a number of different commentators out over, over the weekend. And one person just worth highlighting is um, Larry Summers. And he's been relatively mm. good in terms of calling the inflation being more persistent and he's um, calling for a US recession within the next two years and then a recent CFO uh, a recent CFO survey by CNBC on Thursday found all CFOs expecting a recession while 68% expected one to occur during the first half of 2023 so these growth growth concerns are very real and uh, are all predicated really on a US Fed being more more aggressive because it needs to in order to rein in inflation and inflation expectations well the UK might have got a head start on this because they had their GD another fall in GDP and uh, with the numbers out today uh, of course, the OECD last week said that they were going to be the worst performer in the G20, falling to zero growth next year. Uh, but, you know, they, they forecast 3.6% for this year, which actually might be, uh, you know, a bit of a bold assumption, given that we've seen another contraction in their GDP numbers today. Oh, definitely. And when you look at uh, monthly GDP, um, obviously it was minus 0.3% in May against 0.1% expected. Mm. Um, that was following that contraction you said in March and also a flat reading in February. So on, on that trend, you would probably yeah. say the UK is set to be the first major developed country to enter a recession there. And we had been talking on the morning call about how the UK was going to be watched quite 
closely to see how central bank reacts to high inflation and possibly uh, falling and uh, negative growth. Um, and the BOE does meet on Thursday, and the market is very much split between a 25 or a 50 basis point hike there. Uh, when I looked at um, Bloomberg just before, 33 basis points of tightening are priced uh, for Thursday's meeting there. Um, so if the BOE does hike um, by the 50 basis points, I think that clearly tells you that the BOE is very much concentrated on inflation. And if they hike by 25 basis yeah. points, then yes, they have an eye to inflation, but they also have an eye to the weakening growth outlook as well. So we'll be looking quite closely exactly what happens at the, the BOE. Our view is that they will hike by 25 basis points, yeah. um, but the market is pricing in the risk of a supersized 50 basis points, especially in the context of all central banks saying that 50 uh, is a new 25. Right. But I mean, it, it's, you know, you'd, you'd assume that actually, you know, they're going to, if, if recession is what's needed, that the, the UK is going to hit it sooner. And so perhaps, you know, the, the contraction's already started. Do they need to do quite as much? It's, it's you know, it almost seems to be happening by itself. And it is almost, and manufacturing, you know, only a small part of their economy, obviously, but it fell 1% month on month as well. That was a bit of a concerning figure. Uh, but it seems like it is, at the moment, uniquely British, because if we look at the EU, they had their the third estimate for Q1 for GDP for Europe. It seems like lately a lot of these estimates are getting revised. So uh, that's actually been revised up to 0.6% quarter on quarter. So... This sharp downturn at the moment, uniquely British. I mean, I guess that's why we saw such a fall in the pound today as well. Uh, Definitely, but the euro area isn't necessarily out of the woods here. And when you look at uh, yields, especially in the European periphery, um, Italian, Greek, Spanish yields, they have absolutely surged. And the uh, Italian, uh, German yield spread um, has also blown out. I think it's currently sitting around 230 basis points. So um, the ECB is... Whereas the UK is kind of trapped between uh, growth and inflation, the ECB is trapped between two. Uh, uh, sorry, is trapped between an extra thing, and that is fragmentation risk. If those spreads were to uh, widen more significantly, there, yeah. so, and that's part of the reason why you've seen this US dollar strength is just the euro just continues to to weaken. So the euro is down by around one percent, currently sitting around that one hundred four level. Well, I wonder whether I mean you tell me because you're the expert, but I mean you know to to my eye, it looks like well the UK doesn't need to do quite as much because the the economy is you know pretty stuffed to use an economic term uh, in the short term anyway and so you know that you don't have to do too much to slow the economy down whereas in Europe uh, Europe split I mean you know obviously inflation is 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 rising the ECB does need to act to control inflation for those uh, you know those powerhouses in the north but uh, at the risk of what it's going to do in southern Europe so they've got to do they've got They've got a, two actions here, haven't they? They've got to get inflation under control, but they've also got to make sure those southern economies don't completely tank in the process. Oh, definitely. That That is a prevailing narrative that the UK economic situation is fairly dire, so the Bank of England doesn't have to hike rates by that much. I think a lot will actually fall on inflation expectations and wages, and I think later today we do get some UK unemployment and wages data there, and wages excluding yep. bonus is expected to be 4% year-on-year from 4.2%. So if you... Continue to see that trend lower in wages, then that may suggest that the BOE doesn't have to be as aggressive as other central banks. But if you don't see those wages starting to ease off, and if you see still elevated inflation expectations, then the BOE would likely still need to be relatively aggressive, even with that growth headwind. Um, and then in terms of the ECB, um, yeah, they are definitely torn, um, and they have to lift rates in order to rein inflation and inflation expectations. But they also got that f- fragmentation risk with a with a periphery as well so um, I think that would be one 
really interesting to watch and is also one of the reasons why there's probably more downside risk for the euro going yeah. ahead uh, just given the ECB is balancing more plates compared to say the Bank of England or the US Fed yeah so and just to make things worse in the in, in the UK is if it couldn't get any worse uh, Boris Johnson is now saying uh, that he wants to pass a law which is going to allow them to unilaterally change the basis of the Brexit agreement for the basically get rid of the Northern Ireland Protocol and the uh, European Union is saying well you're doing that and then we will we may well retaliate so we could have a trade war on our hands as well just to make things anyway i mean could things get anywhere i was hoping to start the day where's my birthday today i was hoping we we're gonna have a good day today but look at it, it's just bad news everywhere I'm, I'm searching for any positivity i could say the weather's going to get better in sydney this week but then i just upset everyone in melbourne because it's getting worse down there as the week goes on so look you know i'm I, it's pretty dire everywhere at the moment isn't it oh definitely and i think it's just that vacuum ahead of the US Fed, the BOE, and also the Bank of Japan um, just coming after that really high US inflation print and also some notion that inflation expectations are becoming de-anchored, particularly amongst consumers. Yeah, and oil still going up. So uh, Brent is over $122 a barrel. I mean, uh, it did get to 123.70 earlier. I, I think it was uh, it's bigger than the peak we saw last week. So it is still increasing, and this is despite. I mean, China is still having uh, lockdown concerns. I mean, they had 37 cases of COVID in Shanghai on Sunday, 45 in Beijing on Monday, but that was enough to delay the reopening of schools. They're keeping restaurants closed, except for takeaways. Uh, you know, on those small numbers, whereas just for context, the UK, 15,000 cases a day, Australia, 26,000 cases a day in Australia. Did you know that? Uh, and here they are with uh, just a handful, China nationally on Sunday, 206, and yet they're still locking down. So that shows there's no end to this happening in uh, in the foreseeable future in China. So, I mean, that's going to play on the global economy as well. It's going to keep oil perhaps from getting even worse, but it's uh, it's obviously going to add to all these supply chain concerns. Uh, definitely, and I think we were talking um, about a month ago how China was due to host the Asia um, Football World Cup finals. Um, and they had built and renovated 10 stadiums in the lead up to that. And then a couple of weeks ago, um, sorry, that was due to be held in June 2023. And um, a couple of weeks ago, they said they couldn't hold it because they couldn't guarantee their COVID situation. Yep. So I think that does tell you that uh, China is still um, maintaining that zero COVID policy for for a little bit. And there is some thought that China really does need to get those mRNA vaccines out there before they start to pivot towards living with the virus, and then as for the oil price, um, really interesting. Um, the, so the oil market continues to be very, very tight. Um, and overnight, Libya um, said it had almost fully halted oil production due to a political crisis. So that's taken about 1.1 million barrels a day out of the market. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other really interesting thing going on in the oil market at the moment is the restrictions against Russia, particularly in terms of oil, appear to be faltering a little bit. Um, so some interesting stats here: Italy lifted its crude imports uh, in April to the highest since. December. Um, And then the other one is uh, uh, India has also moved to become quite a significant buyer of Russian crude as well, um, just behind China as well. So there is some notion that some parts of Asia are um, are, are starting to open up the taps in terms of Russian oil. Um, But overall, the oil market remains relatively tight and that uh, taking out of Libyan oil production um. just keeps that war going on longer doesn't it and it is getting worse in the donbass region and uh, and you know that grain that they're trying to get out of ukraine which they can't get out by sea uh you know the har- the, the harvest is halved apparently on, on based on last year so that's just going to add to uh, in the inflation cost for food as well uh, and the Aussie dollar being pulled down presumably because of this rush to safe, ha- safe havens it's pure, it's pure and simple isn't it we're seeing the US dollar rising to these new highs 
and the Japanese yen is sort of like acting a bit like a safe haven again, it seems as well. And the Aussie dollar suffering because of Oh, yes, that. definitely. So the Aussie is sitting around that uh, 69 US cent level, and it was only just hovering around that 72 US cent level um, going back a couple, a couple of weeks. So definitely the Aussie feeling the global mm. growth headwinds there, and as well as the Kiwi. And uh, during these times, um, the Aussie has a pretty close relationship with S&P 500 futures, and obviously yeah. with stocks falling off quite sharply, you've also, you've also seen the Aussie going down, down as well. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think the yen will be quite um, interesting this week because the Bank of Japan meets, and obviously the Bank of Japan has that uh, yield curve cap on their 10-year yield, and with US yields rising, there's a lot of depreciation pressure on the yen at the moment, um, and as well as that, those global growth inflation Headwinds look like they're going to be touching Japan soon. So exactly what is the Bank of Japan's tolerance for inflation? And uh, could that change that yield curve control policy going forward? So um, probably won't get too much insight out of this meeting, but that's what markets will be contemplating over the months ahead. Right. Okay. So the zoo survey for, for Germany and for Europe, uh, whether that's going to be more optimistic or not, it's uh, it, was in, it was deeply in negative territory. So no doubt it's going to stay there. Uh, let's look closer to home very quickly before we go, because we've got... Uh, Food prices for New Zealand uh, up 6.4% year on year in April. Uh, so, you know, presumably it's going to continue. Uh, if it's following the theme for the rest of the world, it's going to go up for May, but you can tell me about that. And also, we don't know what's in it, but it's going to be watched keenly, isn't it, this time? The NAB business survey, because uh, we, we've been seeing cost pressures uh, reflected in the in the price components of that survey lately. So we're going to have to keep a keen eye on that and see what's happening. Uh, definitely. I, I haven't seen the survey, but um, we do know those Cost pressures have been reported in prior months. And uh, just worth noting, the RBA in May made its hawkish pivot based off their, or in part of their liaison program. So the net business survey surveys around 400 businesses a month, so may give some insight into what businesses are actually feeling out there. And, uh, and as you said, we'll be closely watched for inflation pressures as well. well. It's one of those mornings where we're not being short of things to talk about. That's for sure, Tapas. Good to talk. Let's hope things get better sometime soon. Uh, but uh, good to talk to you anyway. See you soon. Uh, cheers. Uh, thanks, all. And that's it for this Tuesday morning, I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning with Drigo joining me then. See you then. Have a great day.